look around and see and feel that we are in a new space, a different setup. Yet the frame in which we practice remains the same. Of course, the frame of our practice is our human existence. And our practice is about gaining entrance into this human existence from various points. We are still here at the same location, but the entrance has changed. Now we enter from a different place and internally we occupy a different room. But overall, the question that you might ask yourself is, how does that change my practice? Does it change your practice? Remember, lately people like to talk about the stroke of the wing of a butterfly on the other side of the planet has consequences here, now, as does the absence of such a movement of the wings of that proverbial Chinese butterfly. What it means to us, what we can translate it into in a more concrete, in a more practical way of saying is, saying this is that we arrive here in this world as a part of an interconnected web of existences, of space, of time, of matter and no matter, as a collection of atoms, molecules, lumps of flesh and blood and energy, everywhere, energy. Somehow the mystery of this energy makes that lump of flesh be alive, experience, perceive, feel with the eyes we see, with the nose we smell, with the tongue we taste, with the ears we hear. With our skin we touch, and with our mind we bring all of these together into yet a different experience of consciousness. Becoming aware of that fact that we are macrocosmos entities that reflect both the microcosmos as well as no cosmos at all is quite an interesting point 
to examine in this practice. Indra's net sometimes is used to visualize that. Indra's net that has jewels that are connected by strings in a net-like fashion. And each of the jewels reflects in the surrounding jewels and overall this interconnectedness of the same principle that we call the Dharma activity in its manifestations, in its phenomena that we experience is an awesome thing to experience, an awesome thing to live in. When we engage in Zen practice, let us always remember the last few lines of Hakuin Zenji's Song of Zazen, the Hakuin Zenji Zazen Wasan. In these few lines, Hakuin says that this very body is the body of the Buddha. This very spot is the lotus land. Very, very hard for us as human beings to just accept, awaken to the fact that, well, we are already here. This is already the place of absolute perfection. There is nothing we have to add, nothing we have to leave out, nowhere else to go. Master Rinzai in his Rinzai Roku often says, what is wrong with the practitioners of nowadays is that they lack confidence in themselves. Now, of course, the confidence that Master Rinzai speaks about here is not the confidence of an inflated ego of any kind. The confidence in having experienced and having awoken to suchness, to the things as they are, and that they as they are, they are perfectly, without lacking anything. Our breathing meditation helps us get to that spot by slowly letting that level of intellectual chatter, of self-talk, monologue in many different voices calm down it's not that it will completely disappear all the time but sometimes we can get very very quiet we become aware of the chatter and it turns into the same sound of the birds tweeting outside. 
of the air conditioning blowing. It is just sound. And over time, we will be in that lotus land, manifesting, embodying the body of the Buddha. And that's truly what we come here to find. And it's the same that is true for the Buddha as it's true for everybody. The Buddha doesn't just, he, he sat there for seven, eight days until he had his breakthrough. But what then? Then he got up. And the same is our path. We come here. We dissolve our I am self. We give ourselves fully to the formal practice. But then when the bell rings, in the end of the formal sitting, we get up. We have to become aware again. Yeah, I have legs. And we have to return to the person who knows how to use those legs. And sometimes uh, squabble with them. Because they might not really be very cooperative. Especially when they fell asleep. And in both cases, it is still the body of the Buddha. It is still the lotus land. The lotus land of the legs that fell asleep. Now as a final note, since this is the beginning of our fall session, we did chant. We chanted the Heart Sutra that speaks about the Mahayana teachings that form is emptiness and emptiness is form or form is shunyata and shunyata is form. Form is not different from shunyata. Shunyata is not different from form. Then we chanted a dharani of removing disaster. It can be applied by many people, applied in many different ways. But again, it's a dedication to chanting. It's a dedication to being in this moment with this body, with this voice, chanting a very specific syllable at a specific time, all together, letting go from our individual wants, lacks that we perceive judgments. Just with the breath and the sound, we become completely one. That is the true removal of disaster. And of course, once one disaster is attended to, be assured, the next one is waiting in the wings. The dedication after that that was chanted is dedicating to Shakyamuni Buddha, to Monju Bosatsu, and uh, to other uh, Bodhisattvas. All the Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, in the ten directions and the three worlds. The chant was offered as an embodiment of our practice. 
followed by the Dharani of the Great Compassionate One, in which we again became one, in which we fully engage in the activity of being in the form of chanting. And that Dharani was dedicated to Joshu Roshi, who is the founder of Rinzai-ji in America, who brought this teaching of Tathagata Zen to America. He brought Rinzai Zen in the Miyoshinji lineage to California and taught what he had experienced to us for over 50 years. And then in the end, we chanted the Shigose Ganmon, the four great vows, the Bodhisattva vows of saving all sentient beings, of overcoming all defilements, all passions, of learning everything and all of the teaching that are there to be learned. And of walking this path to its very end. Great vows with a mind of a two-dimensional caliber inconceivable and never to be fulfilled. But with the mind and heart of a Zen practitioner, or even, let's take the Zen away and say, with the mind and heart of a mature, open, awakened human being that is beyond any labels. This is the daily activity of the Bodhisattva. Sometimes it appears and sometimes people think that Zen practice is somewhat clinical, away from all beliefs. Yes, beliefs may get in the way. But what is not true is that Zen practice is not a devotional practice. From my experience, I would go so far to say that Zen practice is the most and deepest devotional practice because you devote yourself to attend to what is with 100% of dedication. 100% of devotion. Zen practice is the great vow to be there with the most open mind, with the most open heart, awake, embracing, and strengthened through that awakening.
So I expect you all to uh, check in in two weeks and tell me that you're there. And if not, then I'm afraid you will have to continue to, <laughs> to sit and breathe. And if you are really recalcitrant as a human being and return to human form over and over again, you might just be a hopeless case, just like myself. It can't be said often enough, I deeply appreciate your presence, your willingness to even open that door for a tiny, tiny sliver of light to come out, to come in, to have a crack, to open a crack, and to share it with all of us. Each of your lives is invaluable. Each moment that you are willing to share with all of us is an act of a bodhisattva. For that and for the teachings of Zen, the teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha, the ability of human beings to awaken have a deep and never-ending gratitude. Thank you all.